0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Omar Project. But before we get started, I want to make sure I invite you to join theomarproject.com. That's spelled O-M-A-R, because you can get a lot of great insight on project management, the skills you need to up your game, and also learn from the best project managers in the world on the most complex projects. Hey everybody, welcome to the Omar project. Today we're going to be talking about how to structure an owner's teams for projects. Now, this can be a very complex situation because there could be hundreds of variations of how you actually have your project structured as far as your contracts. But there is a way to just answer this question that fundamentally will help you think about the same thing that could apply to many different structures, or almost all of these structures. So let's try and do this, but Let me let you know that I do understand that this is a very complex subject, and properly, this probably would take a full day to just go through. But let's try and do a very quick overview of it today, if you would. So, let's first focus on a couple of key points. One is why you want an owner's team, and what is an owner's team? So, an owner's team is in every project, you always have a prime or an owner contractor. What that means is that there's somebody that's ultimately either initiating the project or paying the bills for every other contractor that's on that project, that's referred to as the owner, or in some cases, when you're working as the contractor, they're the owner's team. So they're the, the representatives of the ownership or the investors that are going into this project. So sometimes the investors and the team that's there are, are one and the same. Sometimes the investors hire owner's representatives to oversee the project. In this case, let's not worry about it. It just means that you're representing where the money's coming from. So you are the most vested party in seeing a return because you actually get the gains from the project being operational. So that's the definition of an owner's team. On major projects, you can have many different types of contracts in place. So what we're going to use is we're going to use an example from a major project where you're going to have a contract with an engineering firm. Sometimes you may have the same contract with construction firm. Those are two very large... Entities that will be executing on the project. So, this owner's team is responsible for representing the investors and ultimately seeing that you get payback on your project. Now, there's a couple of things that no matter where you are in the world or whatever part of business you're in are always going to be applicable. And that's what success looks like for an owner's team project. The first is it's on time. The second is it's on budget, and then the third is that it's operational. When at the end of the day, when the project's done, it operates as intended and it works. And then lastly, that it's safe. You don't have people getting injured during the construction or during the operations. So those are the things that, no matter where you go in the world, and you ask somebody what is important to you at the end of the day when you finish this project, you're going to get those same four responses from every type of business. There's also some businesses that are interested in other things. Wouldn't they have an owners' team? Some businesses see it as an opportunity for staff to learn the business and become experts or for them to grow in their careers. So for example, if you have a owner's team that's all super experts and they're managing contractors that are also experts, when you have new hires come in, or if you have people that are growing in their career and they want to become that expert or that subject matter expert, you can put them in an owner's team and they can be monitoring how the projects are actually being executed the behind the scenes, seeing all of the details that would make them experts in a couple of years after they're doing that. It's a great method for developing your talent or having a bench of talent because as you know, people leave or people retire. So it's important to have that skill set within your company. So that's also sometimes an interest for companies. Now, putting together an owner's team can vary, like I mentioned, but it's always going to be based on a reduction of your risk. And in order to do that, you need to understand where the risk is coming from in your project on each of these different segments. So where is it coming on on your schedule, on your budget, on your safety, and on your operability? Those are the high-level areas that you're thinking about when you're putting these owners teams together, because at the end of the day, you want those representatives to be acting on the behalf of the company for that project to be successful with flawless quality. And then also, this is a very important key point honest pricing. And what that means is per the contract that you signed, the agreements and the pricing are being met per that. So what does that mean? If you sign an hourly rate contract or a time materials contract with a construction firm, or an engineering firm, your owner's team can also validate that the hours or what they're working on is actually accurate per what they're invoicing for. for. So that's also an essential component of what owner teams do. Now, let's use an example real quick of what could be a structure for an owner's team and how many of them are set up. Now, let's say we're building a skyscraper and this project is massive. It's one of the largest skyscrapers that's ever been built. And they're using a different type of manufacturing technique. And the way you have this structured is you have an investment firm, they have an owner's team, or they have a rep. And those guys will be managing the contractors, which are engineering and design firms, to get this thing and the construction firms to get this completed. Now, one thing that you're going to look at when we talk about risk is where's our risk at? And immediately, let's just start talking about what's very obvious of what I just stated. We're using a manufacturing technology that's unique, that may be novel. We're going to have to have something on the owner's team be accountable for that risk. So what do I mean by that? You're probably going to bring in somebody that's an expert in manufacturing technologies in qualifying these things in order to manage that risk and actually be really in tune with how that's progressing on the project. The other option is you can just say, hey, go perform this and we'll come back, just report out. But that's allowing the contractors to really do whatever they want. And you're just receiving the information when they give it to you. It's much better in these situations, especially where there's a lot of risk, to be more involved. This is one where I definitely would recommend you have an owner's team rep. And that's usually how people do this on projects. They're looking at risk. Now, on these major projects, there's always a couple of key areas that always have a lot of risk because that's how most engineering projects are developed. So you always usually have some sort of process component, which is the chemical component of it, how the process moves. You have some sort of electrical design component. You have instrumentation component. You have a civil component with structural and then you have the safety and design component. Now, what should sound familiar if you're familiar with this process is all of those are teams usually. So on the engineering side, you are going to have a team that can consist of 10 to 15 people easy on each of those different disciplines. Sometimes they are much larger than that. So what that means is that you want to replicate how your contractor operates. We're just strictly talking about engineering right now. So If you have an electrical team on the contractor side, you probably want to have an owner's rep that's overseeing that electrical team. Same for all the other disciplines. And that way you are in tune with what they're doing and you have a representative that can also answer questions when they come and they say, hey, we have these two different types of options for electrical equipment or an electrical design. Do you want it to be like this or like this? Now, the caveat here is that the owner's team has to be the subject matter expert for their company on these and be able to speak on behalf of the company. Otherwise, you're really just having someone there to track progress of work and seeing if they're working and they're not adding value from the engineering side. And those questions will come up. So somebody will have to answer those questions. You might as well have that person on the owner's team and have them there full time. Now, one other way to do this is, or to think about this is, a lot of companies are doing this, is how do we minimize our owner's team? why would people want to minimize owners teams because it brings the cost of the project up if you have a full-time team of people that are just monitoring what should be done by the construction firm then obviously that builds up some cost so you do also want to consider how small of a team can you have what is the right size so sometimes it's one person one electrical discipline to 20 or 30 people sometimes you need to have a couple more because the questions they're asking are, are pretty complex It also depends on the collaboration that you're expecting. If it's straightforward and they have all the information they need and they've done this multiple times, you may not need multiple owners reps on your team. You may just need one person and that's it. Now, there's also another model that you can use during ownership teams discussion. And that is actually being super slim on your representatives. So let's just talk about how this would look for the same skyscraper. Say we wanted to just buy or have a skyscraper be designed and constructed. And we wanted to say, let's just minimize our owner's team. I only want to have five people that are monitoring this whole project. And the project could be well over a billion dollars. How do you go about doing that? This is a really interesting question. And different industries use different models. It is possible to have an extremely small owner's team. Now, the only way that I would say you can do this successfully has to be You have to involve also on the contract end some incentive for both the engineering firm and the construction firm to be successful long-term. What do I mean by that? Most contracts are structured in a way that when you're working with the engineering firm or the construction firm, after they're done delivering their engineering deliverables, which are data, paperwork, et cetera, drawings, plans, their contract ends shortly thereafter, after the project is constructed. The bulk of their work is hand over deliverables to the construction firm. Then the bulk of their work is answer any questions the contract the construction firm may have. Once the questions stop and there are no more changes to the project, they're done. But that's it. That's their scope. Same for the construction firm. Construction firm delivery or contract is build the product and make sure it works and there are no more changes or anything needed. Once it passes its test of qualification, which is usually right after it's done being constructed, then that's it. Your contract ends. That's the standard way to operate it. What happens is once it's done, you hand it back to the owner's team. The owner's team actually operates it. So they'll take this project over and they'll operate it. And that's when they can find maybe some other issues or then they can figure out, okay, this is how we can staff it up. There's another model that you could use. And this is used in industry. And it's an interesting model, but you could actually structure a contract with both the engineering firm and the construction firm and have them manage how the operability works for the first year or even longer. What does that incentivize? Okay. So imagine doing this on a project where you want to have only five people on your ownership team, but you're doing this billion dollar project. That's nowhere near enough people to actually be in the details of anything. So they'll send you some information. You can kind of check up, spot check here or there. But really, you're not going to be able to get into the detail or catch things in advance, or it'd be very challenging for a team that that's that small for some of these larger projects. So the only way that you can maybe do this without having such a big team is to then structure your contract. So he says, hey, engineering construction firm, I want you guys to not only design and to deliver this, but I want you to be responsible for the first year or the first year and a half after it's done. For operating it and getting it to the point where we're actually producing X or we're running it at this type of capacity, or we have this many issues per month consistently. What that does, because you're giving this year-long window at a minimum after it's been constructed and it's started up, is now the onus, the incentive on the contractors is for them to deliver a high quality product. They actually hold the bag, so to speak, for the next year of it to operate and if they doesn't operate correctly you could have incentives where they actually lose money or they don't get paid their full amount there's some sort of contract-based terms this is another method to operate owners teams where you're doing it more contractually opposed to doing it with people there and present now the downside of this is two there's a couple scenarios here one is that you can argue that During the construction and engineering, if you screw up there, it's very difficult to come back from that. So if you make a mistake in engineering or construction that's fundamentally huge or like something that's very major, it becomes extremely expensive to fix that. So you're basically allowing that risk to still be there. You're just trying to manage it with the contract side, which it may not prevent the actual risk from happening. So you're expecting the incentive to drive the right behaviors. That's one risk. The other risk is that you're not learning more about the process. So if you're a company that wants to be more involved on the engineering and the manufacturing and really understand the technology and the science, because you see value in having your team and your people learn that, well, then you're not going to be really involved in that. You're going to be more acting as a kind of offsite, almost investor type team that deals more with the numbers. So those are a couple of different reasons why it may not be the best thing for your organization. I hope you all enjoyed that. That one was a little bit deep. And like I said, this one is can be very complex. There's a lot of different ways you can set these things up. But hopefully that gave you an overview of some of the ways or two major ways that you could set up and structure your owner's team. Best of luck on your projects. See you next week. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to hear more, you can join us at theomarproject.com. That's O-M-A-R. We have a lot more information on project management, technical skills, on the leadership, and also you can hear from more of the top experts in the field.